The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Okay, guys, I'm Abby. I think all of you know me, but if you don't, you should come say hi afterwards. Um, So before we start, I'm just going to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this night. Thank you for letting us be able to uh, gather together and hear your word. I pray that um, these verses that we're reading would touch our hearts. And even though they were written thousands of years ago, that they still transcend today and that they would move in everyone here and we would leave changed. In your wonderful name, amen. So we're going over a series called Identities Revealed, if you've been here for the last, I think like six weeks we've been going over this. So we're going through the book of Mark, and last week there was a guest speaker, his name was Jacob Schaefer, I'm pretty sure that's his name. And so he talked about in Mark 10, he was talking about the rich young ruler and how the rich young ruler uh, went away sad because he wasn't willing to give up everything to Christ, which this kind of coincides with what we're talking about um, today. So today we're going to be in the, tonight, I guess, we're going to be in the book of Mark, obviously. (laughs) And if you have your little journal, you can underline things as I go through it. So we're in Mark 14, and it's um, 1 through 11. So it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon, and he is Jesus, just to clarify. And so while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as Jesus was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster alabaster flask of anointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And then we go on to 7 through 11. Um, For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for my burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray to betray him to them, him again is Jesus, and them is the Pharisees. And then, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray them. So in this story, we see this woman come to Jesus's feet and break this perfume and wipe her hair, wipe his feet with her hair, And so we see a different kind of worship. What this woman is doing is a form of worship. So it leads us to ask, what is worship? So we just got done with worship, and that's the kind of worship we're normally accustomed to, people standing on stage and us singing songs, maybe raising our hands, and if you're really Pentecostal, raising both your hands in the air. But it's okay if you don't do that. <laughs> but so that's the kind of worship we do on a weekly basis. And that, that's what we think of when we think of the word worship. 
But worship isn't only what we do at the beginning of services. It's not just singing songs like we just did, and it's not just like standing there and swaying while we sing that song, but it's also an act of sacrificially giving Jesus something. This woman sacrificially gave um, not only like this expensive perfume, but she like cried, so like her tears, and it was kind of embarrassing, so she laid out her like reputation on the table and sacrificially gave that for Jesus. So our acts of worship can look different for each of us. Uh, For you, your form of worship could be sacrificially giving up your time, your money, your energy, maybe even some friendships. So here in Mark 14, we see this woman performing this act of worship by sacrificially giving up something of great value. But you may be wondering, who is this woman? So Mark doesn't identify her here, but John does. So John 11:2 says, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So we find out from the book of John that this is Mary Magdalene. And she's the sister of Martha and Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, which Pastor Isaac talked about in his series on pain and suffering. If you missed that, I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a podcast, so you can go back and listen to that. So that'd be cool. Or if you just want to catch up on things or re-listen to it because you really liked it. So you can do that. Fun fact. So now that we know this is Mary, I'm going to call her Mary for the rest of the sermon to avoid confusion because one woman with the alabaster box is a lot to say, (laughs) and two, it could get pretty confusing. So for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to refer to the woman as Mary. So back to the story, Jesus is in this man's house, and his name is Simon the leper, and it's speculated that Simon is Mary and Lazarus's father, so it was custom for someone who like came into your house you would like wash their feet and things like this so in verse three we see um, it says and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he was reclining at the table a woman came with an alabaster alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly and she broke the flask and poured it over his head so I did some research and I found out that this perfume she used It was a very expensive perfume, which it mentions, but it's imported from India. And in verse 5, it says, For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her for it. So this small container, container of perfume is valued at 300 pence, which is equivalent to a year's salary back then for a common worker. So... It's like if this woman saved up all her money that she did for her job and spent all that money just to buy this perfume that she pours out on the ground, which you're like, okay, whatever. But if you put that in modern terms, so the average salary for an American is $50,000. That would be like saving up all the money you've worked the entire year for, taking that $50,000, buying perfume with the $50,000, and then just breaking it on the ground. When you put it in that context, that is crazy. Like taking $50,000 and just like, there it is, there it goes. Um, But this woman, but Mary knew like how great this gift was. And so as I said earlier, it was customary to wash the feet and anoint the head of a guest in your house. But Mary goes above and beyond that. 
John says that she anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. She then breaks the container and pours all of its contents on Jesus' head, which I was trying to imagine this, and it seems kind of silly. Like, just imagine, like, you're just chilling, and some lady just comes and breaks something over your head. But for them, that was just, like, a normal thing they did. (laughs) So immediately the disciples begin to criticize her. And John, it records that Judas is the most vocal of the disciples. They claim that Mary had wasted this precious perfume and that she should have sold it and given the money to the poor. The disciples looked at her gift as a waste, but Mary knew that it was no waste. And immediately after the disciples say this, Jesus begins to stop their criticism and he says, But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory." So he tells the disciples to leave her alone because she has done a good work for him. He says that they can help the poor anytime they want, but they will not have very many opportunities to show their love for him in person. And on several occasions, Jesus has told the disciples, hey guys, I am going to die. And he's told them over and over again, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be put to death and then I'll raise from the dead. And the disciples have heard this tons of times, but they still, I guess they forget it. They just don't remember. Or they're like, nah, that's not going to happen. Like, you're too cool for that. Um, So Jesus told his disciples this on several occasions that he was going to be put to death. But now he claims that Mary's act of devotion will serve as the anointing for his death. So, spoiler alert, we're almost to the end of Mark. And at the end of Mark, we see Jesus' death. So he's about to die. So this is like a few chapters like two chapters before we see him die and be resurrected. So Mary probably didn't intend for this to be his like proper burial type thing. So it was a custom when someone dies, you take perfume just like Mary did and you anoint the body of a dead person. And then after the body was anointed, you take the flask and you'd break it over the dead person and then you'd put the flask in like the casket or whatever they called it with the dead person. And so this is kind of what Mary did, something something similar to this. Because when we find out later in Mark and the other gospels that Jesus didn't receive a proper burial. So when Jesus says like she was preparing me for my burial, he's saying like she did what won't happen to me after I die. So the disciples... So we just went over how that was the custom. And then, so Jesus goes on to state that wherever the gospel is preached, that Mary's act of worship will be proclaimed, which I think is so cool because tonight we're a fulfillment of that prophecy of what Jesus said because we're looking at this verse and looking at what Mary did. So I think that's so cool that we get to be part of what Jesus was talking about. So the disciples were unable to see what a great act of worship this was. They felt that what Mary had done was a waste. And non-Christians may look at us and think the same thing. They probably think it's a waste of time for us to go to church Sundays and Wednesdays. They may think it's a waste of time. Why do you have to be in your church choir? Why do you need to do bells? Why do you need to be on TBQ? And they're like, that's just a waste of time. 
and waste of energy. They might think it's a waste that we read our Bibles and pray. But we as believers know that it's no waste at all. Mary knew that Christ was so deserving of that oil. Just like Christ is deserving deserving of our time, money, energy, he deserves everything, just like Mary gave everything to Jesus in that moment. I want my life to be wasted doing the things that honor God and advance his kingdom. It doesn't matter if someone thinks that it's silly that I give money to missionaries, or it doesn't matter if people think it's silly that I come to Wednesday nights, and when I could be studying, I come here and like help lead you guys. It doesn't matter if people think that's a waste, because I know that these things are not waste, and that they're going to advance the kingdom, and that me pouring into you guys, and Isaac and Sarah pouring into you, we know that those time, the time we spend here isn't a waste, because it's going to do things, and we're working to advance the kingdom of God. So if we go on in Mark 14, we get to this seemingly random story about Judas in verses 10 and 11. So it says, um, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. So this story seems kind of random, but Mark includes this story here in contrast with the story of Mary with the alabaster box. Verses 1 and 2, I think I have one next one. Yes, verses 1 and 2, it says, It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar for the people. So the Pharisees were trying to figure out a way they can trap Jesus and they can kill him because they're sick of him going around and doing miracles and saying that they're wrong and he's right. And so they're trying to figure out a way to do this. And that's how Mark 14 starts. And then at the end of Mark 14, we see Judas go to the Pharisees, and he's like, okay, I'll give you Jesus. And they're like, yes, finally, we get to kill this dude. That's probably not their exact words, but you know what I mean. And so, um, and they wanted to, so, and then also it says it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they didn't want to do it right then because the Jewish people would be like, you can't kill someone during this time, and then people would start to riot. So they had to wait a little bit. So the book of John says that Judas was the most vocal of the disciples, I mentioned that earlier, in criticizing Mary for what she had done. But it wasn't because he was concerned for the poor. Like the other disciples were like, well, no, she can't do that because that money she spent on the perfume could have gone to the poor. But Judas didn't care about that. He was the treasurer of the group, and he wanted to take the money for himself. Judas wanted him to... Judas wanted to get his hands on that money because money is what consumed Judas. So when, Jude, when Jesus condemns the disciples for criticizing Mary, Judas decides to get his money another way. And that's what he does when he goes to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees give him 30 pieces of silver for turning over Jesus. What blows my mind most about this story about Judas is that Judas was considered an insider. He spent all his time with Jesus. He's, he's walked with Jesus for three years and seen him do miracles. He's seen him heal people, raise people from the dead, heal lame people, 
blind people that literally could not see can see again. And he's seen Jesus do all of these things. People with leprosy, they have like whelps on their body and just like go away. And Judas was there for all of that, every single one. But he still decides to give up Jesus to be murdered. And looking at the story, we can think, man, like Judas is dumb. Like how could you sit with Jesus all that time? How could you spend all that time with him and just give him up? That's like spending all your time with your best friend and like you know everything about them and you love them, but you turn them over to die. That's extreme, but this is, <laughs> that's kind of what Judas did here. Like he was friends with Jesus. They spent time together. They slept in the same room together and on a boat together. Like they went through all of these things together, but yet he still chooses to hand him over to the Pharisees. See, Judas did this because he cared more about money than he did about Christ. And as I said, we can look at Judas and be like, that's crazy. How could he do this? But the more I looked at the story, the more I realized that I can be so much like Judas. And maybe you guys can relate with me. It's pretty easy to go to church, throw a few dollars in the offering plate, um, and do all of our Christian duties. I read my Bible almost every day. I pray almost every day. And while you and I may do all these things, I have to ask myself, where is my heart when I do these things? Am I doing it just for this Christian checklist? Like, oh, I gave my tithe, and I read my Bible, and I prayed. I sat with that kid who was sitting alone at lunch. And like, while those are great things, if our heart isn't in the right place, then they don't really mean anything at the end of the day. So we have to check our hearts and see, is it just part of a Christian checklist or is it part of a sacrificial act of worship that we're sacrificially giving to Christ? See, Judas was a lover of money and he covered it with a phony external relationship with Jesus. I'm sure if you guys were to spend time with Jesus, Judas if you were to spend time with Judas and have been there, you would have thought there is no way that Judas would do something like that. How could Judas do something like that when he spent all his time with Jesus, but he does it anyway? Which leaves me asking, is there something in my life that I'm not willing to give up? Judas wasn't willing to give up money, and he'd rather have money than a relationship with Christ. Is there things in my life like that? Is there something you hold on so tight to that you won't give to God? I know there have been times in my life where I said, God, you can have everything. Like, you can have it all, but you can't have this. Like, this, this thing is mine. Like, you can have every other part of me, but, like, my money, like, that's mine. I only get $5 allowance, so you can't have that. Or, like, God, I'm a college student, so I only have $2 in my bank account, so you can have everything else, but that money, it's mine. Like, I worked for that. You can't have that. And we say these things, but is that what a real relationship with Christ looks like? Mary was willing to give everything that she had, spend her whole year's wages on a perfume, and pour it at Jesus' feet. And Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's not what a real relationship with Christ looks like. It looks like Mary willing to give up everything for Christ because she knew how much 
it was worth. She knew that it was no waste at all, that pouring that on Jesus' feet was no waste, even though the disciples thought it was. Judas was willing to hand over Jesus to die for a few pieces of silver while Mary was willing to give her all for Jesus. So what is Jesus worth to you? To Mary, he was worth everything that she had. To Judas, he was only worth 30 pieces of silver. Those verses leave us asking, how much of myself am I truly willing to give up to Christ? Am I willing to give him everything, or do I want to live this phony Christian life where it appears that I've given him everything, but I'm really keeping this to myself? That's crazy to think that you could go to church every Sunday and do all of these things, and then one day get to heaven, and God be like, who are you? I don't know you. And you're like, oh, well, I gave my money to church. I went to youth group every Wednesday, like I was involved in this and this in church. And God's like, that doesn't matter. You didn't really have a relationship with me. And that's kind of what we see here with Judas and Mary. Judas spent all his time with Jesus, but he was still holding on to these things. But Mary was willing to give it all for Christ. How much are you willing to give up for Christ? Are you willing to waste your life on Christ? Um, if you guys could stand with me, we're going to go into response time. I pray that we would all leave here thinking about this concept of Judas and Mary and asking ourselves, do I tend to be more like Judas or do I tend to be more like Mary? And it's okay if your answer right now isn't Mary. I pray that you guys would strive to become more like Mary because I'm not always like Mary. I sometimes step into that Judas category. If you would bow your heads and pray with me. Uh, dear God, thank you for this word that you've given us. Uh, thank you for this story of Judas and Mary. I pray that we would be willing to give it all for you, that we'd be willing to lay it all out for you, uh, that we'd be willing to waste our lives on you, uh, because we know that it is no waste at all. Um, I pray that you would guide us in this response time, and you'd continue to move in hearts, and that you'd guide our discussion groups. In your wonderful name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.